This episode of Derailed Uncharted is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to tell them Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Oh, and also, did you know that Saker, our very own Luckbeak, uh, Flapwing, whatever, is one half of a nerdcore hip-hop duo with our other good friend, Cliff, that you might have heard on Fable Seasons Firelight and Super. And he asked more than a few questions in this episode. They're called 2D6, and they have launched their Kickstarter for their next album. So if you like hilarious nerdy hijinks and pretty okayish rap, their words, not mine. Consider heading over to their Kickstarter and pledging your support. Smash the link in the show notes to take you there. Shut up, I'm gonna do the intro. Uh, <laughs> and that's where I'm gonna fade in. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to an episode of Derailed. Uh, no, shit. What podcast? Vo- Void Fair. We, just got, we just got done recording Derailed Off the Rails mm. like an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, this is the uh, a different podcast, Void Fair Uncharted. Um, <laughs> and I am joined by all the usual suspects. I am, of course, your dungeon master, Nick Yersiva, and I'm joined by Fiona L.F. Kelly, Saker, Tanner, and our producer, Tom. Hello. Say hi, hi, everybody. Hi, hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if, for whatever reason, this is the first Uncharted episode that you've listened to after five chapters, this is where we discuss how things are going and answer questions from our lovely listeners. Um, so the first question is from at Nick underscore on Twitter. Um, and he no, skip asks, it, skip it. This guy <laughs> is an intentional troll. <laughs> He's not a Patreon supporter. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. Patreon supporters are priority. We'll get to those. Uh, but, um, he's asking, How's everybody feeling about everything so far? <laughs> like <laughs> the, the world? last one was kind of a downer. <laughs> oh, yeah. If we're talking about the world in general, I'm still not feeling great. But the game, I'm down on it. <laughs> down on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, down yeah, on it meaning good, same. not bad. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> ask because that was like down for okay. it. I guess. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I, like, yeah. I had fun. It was a little murder mystery. I like those. Yeah. You tr- I feel tricked, though, because I was tricked into learning all of the NPCs <laughs> and, like, getting invested in them. But other I than that, you. I'm good. <laughs> I know. Oh, I was so mad. <laughs> I cannot believe that you've not uh, given that Excel spreadsheet to the public at this point. They need they needed context for that chapter. I, yeah, I feel like that might have been an oversight, but mm. it's okay because uh, if we have to convey who everybody is through just the podcast, it's another reinforcing thing that like you guys will continue to learn who people are. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like, like um, especially after this one, we got a really good feel of a lot of the cast. Like, and even no offense to those who are tragically no longer with us. They were a little bit in like, kind of like the background wallflowers and they kind of got replaced by some more like bombastic characters. So uh-huh. on the one end, I feel like we're actually getting like to know the cast. I've, at least I feel like I do. Like they all have like very distinct personalities. I made yeah. a new best friend, uh, Odyssey, my my BFF. So I was happy about Start that. Book club. That's right. I'm excited. <laughs> Vireth is on Ravnus's shit list. I do have that in my notes, and like every other episode, I forget why. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But Vireth is in fact on Ravnus's shit list. Still. I remember why. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, a lot of new friends and a lot of very complex emotions that I'm working through. 
It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so I guess to answer the first question, Tanner's feeling like this is an, like, you know, I love this chapter. This was an amazing chapter. Uh, for Marco, I find it funny the last time that we did Uncharted, um, I said that Marco really didn't have a lot of growth, and I kind of still do stand by that. He was very constant um, for that <laughs> chapter. But this chapter, he is now feeling a lot of complex emotions <laughs> that he does not truly fully comprehend or understand. So... What or was is. <laughs> constant in one chapter was far more explored and so on and so forth in the next one. Yeah, for sure. So, but uh, but to dissuade the, the hate mail, I was mean to Marco, but Tanner is a very good friend <laughs> who we are good. <laughs> we are more than good. <laughs> more than good. Oh. <laughs> I know. I think Kitty asked about ships. So I'm just like... <laughs> Hey, it says the Nick and Tanner ship. <laughs> Nanner. Nanner. Dude, I hate it. Nanner. I hate it too. I love Nanner. What a good ship. I hate it. Oh. Or all aboard the SS Nanner. <laughs> I, it's, it's either Tick or Nanner. Both of them are horrible. And I love them. Both bad. They're, it's all bad. Nanner is vastly superior. To yes, it is. Nobody See, likes I, I feel like Nanner personally. very quickly uh, get the nickname of the banana boat mm -hmm. because <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 I do oh. like that a lot. All the fan art is you two wearing banana hammocks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Why are we willing this into existence? God, please don't create that. No, this is what no. you guys are wearing yeah. for the party at Con the Cobb, right? No, God damn correct. it, no. <laughs> <laughs> the banana hammock special. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. always Oof. says that, like, oh, we, like, we, like, speak things into existence. Like, we joke about it and it becomes real. This is going to become real. Yeah. Hell yeah. No. I hate it. It's a blessing and a curse. I am down on it. Sacred, uh, <laughs> stop trying to make down on it a thing. <laughs> down on it is streets ahead, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. Beautiful. Uh, mm. All right. Um, so how about we jump into some questions? Because we have a lot. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions, um, mostly on our Project Derailed community Discord. You can join our Discord by going to projectderailed.com slash Discord. And without further ado, I have um, grouped our all of our questions into three concise categories. Questions about Chapter 5 specifically, questions about the campaign on the whole, and fun bullshit. <laughs> the three genders um <laughs> so uh i figured we can start up with questions in chapter five you guys have the list so um we can just kind of shout out questions if you guys see cool ones that you want to pull um we can just uh pick stuff off the list as we go does anybody want to start with a question or should i pick one you pick one. i want you to pick one yeah you okay. pick one. let's start with uh, with dungeon master Okay, so um, segueing off of our our Marco conversation, um, there were a lot of questions <laughs> about uh, Marco and his well-being. Um, so uh, first question is from our patron Kitty. Thank you for asking this question, Kitty. Um, this is the question for myself and Tanner. What was Marco's plan if the doppelganger hadn't held an action? in quotes, which makes me think Kitty doesn't trust <laughs> <laughs> how that went down. The conspiracy no theory will be uh, And then follow-up question from our patron Max um, that I'm grouping with this one because they kind of go together. What level fireball were you going to use to drop on yourself slash the doppelganger Val? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, with this, the, this question, actually, like Kitty asked me after she, she listened to the episode where I got stabbed, um, and she gave a better idea than what I had. So I'll say what mine was and then what hers was <laughs> before he got stabbed. Um, he was going to try to disable the ship after he got stabbed. If he had another option, um, I would have fireballed the cockpit. I would have tried to disable the ship in any way possible. And... Well, we'll see what happens afterwards. But yeah, that, my goal was to disable the ship by any means. And I would have, I had one more fourth level spell left for my day. So it would have been fireball at fourth level to see what I could have done. But that would have, that was the plan. Um, Kitty's idea, which I was like, wow, why didn't I think of that? Which was just Marco takes the ship and flies it like out of the hangar. Mm -hmm. He yeah. does know how to do that. 
which would have been a far better option and would have left with way less money owed to Val. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that was my plan. If I if I hadn't have gotten um, stabbed because of the held action, I would have fireballed the cockpit. I, I do like that Marco chose violence, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have these fireballs for a reason. <laughs> would you yeah, say precisely. they were burning a hole in your pocket? Mm. <laughs> oh, easily. Ew. Listen, whenever a whenever a wizard gets fireball, you use fireball. Like, yeah. that's, that's a fix-all problem. Uh-huh. So, um, anyone else want to grab a question? No. No, no, no. Actually, this works a lot better if you just kind of do it, I think. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Tanner, if you had one for somebody else. My thing oh, is, yeah. I don't want to pick a question for myself because that seems so selfish. But Tanner, well, see, that's generous. That's the whole reason why I wanted to do the thing where we all kind of take turns picking questions because yeah. a lot of these questions are for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you weird. just don't want to. Okay, all right. Oh, Nick, so, I'm so interested on how Scuttlebutt. No, I don't give a shit about Scuttlebutt. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I just wanted to, like, give Nick the first floor because he's the dungeon master, but yeah, I have no yeah. problem asking some of these questions. Yeah, anything um, that seems interesting. Um, let's stick to the, the first uh, questions about the chapter five, and then we'll move on to the other section. Okay, I, I'll love a question. Yeah, that was that, planned. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so how long was Doppelganger stuff planned? And that's from, from the beginning. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great question, Kitty. From the beginning, uh, Lillian was a doppelganger from the very minute I put her name on the Excel spreadsheet. And I will confirm uh, that. I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with that. Um, but I did know that she was a doppelganger and she was a spy. I think she was a spy for the suzerain from the very beginning. Um, but it's just so one of the things that I like to do is when I'm doing that sort of setup, I like to give myself lots of tools in the toolbox mm-hmm. and having a secret doppelganger on the crew is a super juicy tool in the toolbox. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and it also meant that in, um, uh, what was it? Chapter two or chapter three. Um, when, uh, Luckbeak was given the sending stone for the first time, I knew that was Lillian in disguise in that moment. <laughs> yeah, that was smart. I mean, st- literally straight up until whatever it was, the last episode, I thought that that was uh, Odyssey under mind control. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you you planted that seed deep. Yeah, it was a good yeah. seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love doing little little stuff like that. Yeah. So, so I do have I, I will take up the next one from patron kitty um because this one's for saker and this is just to clear the air here like are we actually going to call him flapwing or Luckbeak now oh, or is man. he good with both well and, yeah I, I was gonna say i was gonna throw in a, like a little bit of extra on top of kitty and say how is flapwing slash Luckbeak feeling right now about all of this coming out so i mean it's all we've we've you know, the action figures, the toys, we can't call him <laughs> Flapwing now, right? I mean, he's lucky. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I think it is sort of a branding thing in a lot of ways, which is, um, you know, calling him Flapwing in episode descriptions and stuff. People are going to be like, what the fuck is happening? Um, but then again, I feel like his whole character arc, which is actually getting into one of the questions about the campaign, his whole character arc was um, to stop being so selfish and so isolated and to begin to sort of share his life with people that aren't Merrick. Um, and to that end, I think we have to call him Flapwing at this point. I think it makes mm-hmm. more sense for, you know, him in general. The thing is, I love the Luckbeak voice and I hate the Flapwing voice. So <laughs> I I may just say that he, you know, that that his luck, <laughs> he's taken over the Luckbeak voice um, because I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can talk like a nerd for the next however many years of this podcast. Um, uh. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, like the Luckbeak voice can always be like a persona he keeps in his pocket I, for certain situations, too. I think it will be. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it will be. I think maybe he's going to be flapwing in in um, moments that he's very vulnerable. And I think Luckbeak has given him a lot of power. I think a lot of uh, who he was as flapwing was very um, scared and, you know, like I said, isolated. And through Luckbeak, he kind of had some found family um, and became a more extroverted and, um, I don't know, a, a better person. So I think a lot of that personality is something he could easily take on. Yeah. yeah that makes That's sense. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
Alrighty. Um, now, the only thing here is if we stick to this section, we're just going to be asking a ton of Kitty. questions from Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> That's all, literally all from Kitty. Just all Kitty. So, <laughs> Kitty asked a lot of questions. Thank you for your questions, Kitty. <laughs> if we don't answer all of these, um, we will be sure to answer them in replies to the original Discord messages over on our Discord, because we do have a lot. So um, I did want to ask one more from this section, at least, and then we can, if we have time, um, we can circle back on anything we missed. Um, Makes sense. But uh, this is a question from Kitty for mm. all of the players. Um, what do you characters see as the difference between Marco abandoning Hannah and Flapwing abandoning Merrick? And why does it seem that Marco gets more criticism on that front? Oh, man. I was looking at this one. Because we hate Marco. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the answer. It's just straight up. Yeah. yeah um, no. I mean, um, at, at least from Ravnus's perspective, so... She did find out about um, Hannah as she was sort of like feeling out her relationships with these two people. So I think that has something to do with it that like she very much saw Marco as her friend who like um, he had this like fun scholarship quirk and he was like doing these things. But he was like ultimately like a good guy. Um, but when she found out that he left his friend and sort of like gleefully started in, in her mind, sort of gleefully started uh, pursuing this new world just so he could like learn about it. I think that was like sort of shattered the image that she had of Marco. Now, when she sees Luckbeak, when she knows Luckbeak a lot better than when she found out about Hannah in like chapter two or three or whatever. Um, but there was also like very different circumstances leading to Luckbeak um, leaving Merrick, which I feel like she, from what limited things she knows about this, uh, she sees it as more of like a dangerous situation, like had to leave versus like Marco had the ability to reach out to Hannah and gave, like gave what she thinks was sort of bullshit reasons, like why he wouldn't that out until the end of this chapter when he didn't, we got all the feels. Um, but that's why I think Ravnus sort of views them differently and gives uh, gives Marco some shit about it. And I think also she wanted to encourage Marco to uh, to reach out because I think that she thought that Hannah would have found that like valuable because she finds that valuable in Marco, that relationship. I can definitely pitch in uh, for myself. Um, what do you see as the difference? Uh, literally and absolutely nothing. Um, and I think that's why... A lot of the time, Luckbeak was so hard on Marco is because he was so mad at himself for having done the exact same thing, but not being able to express that in any way that didn't give himself away. So he just kind of took out all of his self-frustration on uh, this person who he kind of saw as a mirror of himself. Very spicy. When are we going to find out uh, Ravnus's abandoned friend? <laughs> you've, all, you've all been, and then Marco's just like, what the actual fuck is this? Like, you guys are so mad at me about this. Right. <laughs> yeah, that actually, um, what Saker just said kind of bounces the way that, at least how Tanner kind of reads the situation. Um, and that is, I think that Marco is a really good stress relief doll for the other two, because... Marco doesn't really have, and we talked about this before, is that Marco does not really understand the concept of shame or why you should feel shameful about anything. So it's really good to project negative emotions upon him. Jesus. Um, and it's it's mainly just because, yeah, like, you know, Luckbeak may be feeling or, or Flapwing feeling, you know, very bad about his friend sees this and says this, not to say that this was an actual like attempt, but like this is an outlet to attach like certain emotions to and i'm not um probably similarly to ravness so like i always think that like it's nothing anything like bad but it's one of my favorite parts of the story because i think it attaches all of the characters insecurities together in a nice little package but marco's the most open yeah yeah i think that makes a lot of sense it's you know it's, sometimes it's hard uh knowing what good limits are in role playing because like if i I mean, that's a really shitty thing to do is to just dump all your emotions on somebody. But I know that we are all good role players and can, you know, put that roadblock in our mind between in game and out of game. So I mm -hmm. felt really way more comfortable doing it uh, than I would oh, in yeah. some games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, except I mean, when when I don't get a text responded from Tanner and I feel like Hannah, like waiting, <laughs> uh, waiting for the message that never comes. <laughs> oh, don't you Hannah me, Tanner. 
you text me back when I send you pictures of my coffee in the morning. <laughs> I was going to toss out just like from my perspective, yeah. like I also think there's just like a, Fiona's getting at this a little bit, but just expectations. Like I don't think anyone's exactly shocked that like the fast talking, clearly unscrupulous penguin person has like right. done some shady yeah. shit. But like Marco <laughs> seems so like, um, you know, on the straight and narrow that it's like a little bit more shocking to like find out that uh-huh. he's done some dickish things. Our dear cinnamon roll wizard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he like, the he thing left is, his is that... good friend. It was, it, was, well, it was very sad. Yeah. That was a real, like Ravenous was pretty shaken by that in a way. I think that she wasn't with um, Luckbeak and Merrick. Cause I think she sort of figured that Luckbeak had like Tom said, had done stuff like that. Yeah. Like, um, I, I do want to throw the air mean. here though. Um, Marco was not able to contact Hannah. He tried to. He did not have sending until the last chapter. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he did attempt to contact, but even Marco's backstory, which we could, there's even still a question that kind of alludes to it, is Marco did not see it as that much of a problem. So almost all of his, like, nothing about him is done with malice. It is all done by not understanding how humanoid creatures function. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what we kind of established canonically was that, like, when Marco first got transported, he, like, tried to have a message sent to Hannah. And, like, he did it, and that was it. And, like, he, he like, had the message sent off, and he never heard back, and never knew if it got to her, and never tried it again, you know? Because he's yeah. like, well, I did all I could. Um, and, I sent uh, the message. Yeah. I've gotten everything I've ever wanted. And, right. He's still yeah. our sweet boy, don't worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and then to clarify, it wasn't even a sending spell. It was like on the Rock of Bra, like he like had like a courier try to get a message down back to Toral. Oh wow. Um yeah, whether whether or not that succeeded or not is uh yet to be determined. <laughs> you actually uh you sent an assassin down there and uh, you were up here. Classic Marco. <laughs> Goes up to, yeah, somebody in black clothes like, Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get this message. And it was like, oh, yeah, message qu- with quotations. <laughs> I want you to take care of this for me. Please take care of her. And just do it quickly and quietly. I you know, <laughs> to pray Benny Hill skit or something. <laughs> Love it. Oh, man. So, all right. I think we can open up to questions about the campaign on the whole, and then we'll get to fun bullshit later. Um so I wanted to start by uh, a question from our patron Max for Fiona. And oh, um, I feel like this this question is coming from a personal place. Um, Max is asking, <laughs> what is your dice jail policy and how long do they have before they can apply for parole? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I, I sort of like don't have one because I don't put a die in, in dice jail every time I roll a one. Um, I, I put them in jail when I feel like they're rolling a lot of ones or when uh, or when they like screw me over like happens in this chapter <laughs> where my character almost died. Um, I usually like, I usually have like plants and stuff on my desk. So I throw them. I don't have one of those cool uh, like dice jail things that you'll sometimes see there 3d printed. I don't have one, unfortunately. So I throw them in my plants and uh, at the end of the session, I gather them up and put them back in my dice tray. So I don't lose them. <laughs> <laughs> I know the tradition, the tradition from in-person games is that you would draw like a circle on the Yeah, we would draw a circle on the, the mat and say like, and say like dice jailer, this is where bad dice go or mm-hmm. something. And we'd put them on 20s so that they would like know what to do next time. <laughs> I think it got so intricate <laughs> that we would start doodling different characters to like guard the dice. Jailer. Yeah, that was that was like our downtime is we would like grab <laughs> the like wet erase markers and start drawing things around. <laughs> <laughs> Who's standing guard over the dice jail today? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anybody want to pull another question? Or if anybody has any questions uh, of their own for anyone else, uh, feel free to throw them out. I, uh, I, I really like Maeve's question, uh, yeah, which is a I question for everyone. everyone. Yeah. Uh, what has changed the most from when you originally conceived of these characters until now? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Anybody want to start? Nick, how about... Speak for every NPC. Every single NPC. <laughs> That's an well. episode in and of itself. <laughs> I mean, I can start because mine's very easy. Um, like basically absolutely nothing. Um, Marco is more or less how I originally envisioned him. I think there's probably a 
few things that maybe were a little different, maybe to be a little more wondrous and a little less like, I, I don't know what the what the term would be. But yeah, he um, out of all the characters that I ended up like basing Marco off of, he ended up being a little bit less like uh, was it Milo from like Atlantis and a little bit more like um, Simon Tam from Firefly or uh, <laughs> uh, what's the name? Yeah. Hooper from Jaws. OK, mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like just on a structural level, how I sort of imagine the characters interacting when we were sort of developing our characters and going into episode one ended up being very different from how they turned out. Um, like, I thought that Ravnus would sort of like tolerate Luckbeak and they would have like a, an extremely dysfunctional relationship, honestly, and uh, she would really like Marco. And I've what I found interesting is how close she's gotten to Luckbeak compared to Marco um, and how much she like trusts Luckbeak um, just in general, because he's clearly up to some shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was the big thing, just like how those relationships have come out. And also like she's a lot softer and like more sentimental than I had uh, initially planned for, I think. And I think that that's just because like I tend to be a I tend to make characters that are like extremely sentimental. But like her little gifts that she leaves people and stuff, I did not imagine this character doing that. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about Ravnus is her like little attempts to make little sentimental gestures and yeah I, I enjoy that it's become a trope that it always kind of goes a little sideways. it always it always <laughs> fails um yeah i thought that she'd be a lot more of a hard ass and the characters would be like reaching out to her to join the group but what i found is that she really craves like the group and wants to make herself a part of it in like pretty significant ways that i didn't really expect um i didn't expect her to feel so like settled and comfortable either so let's fuck that up is what I'm saying. <laughs> I got it. I re just wrote it now. Note right here. <laughs> fuck shit up. Um, Saker, what about Flapwing? Um, I think it's the exact same as uh, as as Tanner with Marco. I don't think... Uh, I, I mean, so when I made Luckbeak, it was kind of like I envisioned his character arc, which um, was to, you know, eventually throw off his ruse and, you know, be, you know, let the light shine in and then be embarrassed and then slowly accept that. Um, and he's kind of done what I imagined... I, I don't know, Nick, you can cut this if you want, but I'm going to kind of uh, break the meta a little bit in that I did text Nick like mm -hmm. after the last episode and I was like, hey, uh, I, I think I might like maybe kill off Flapwing. Like, I think it would be cool <laughs> if he like, you know, died trying to save his friends or something. That would be really fun. And Nick was like, oh, no, uh, <laughs> I think there's still a lot that he can do here. Well, um, that's what, our I, what animal I specifically mascot. said was... <laughs> I have plans still. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you have plans for him. And, yeah. uh, but, but I mean, to me, his journey is kind of complete. And if I'm envisioning this like a story instead of a, a TTRPG, which kind of has an indefinite length, then I wanted him to have some sort of ending that felt satisfying. And I think he's hit mm -hmm. that ending. And I think the challenge now for me, and it's a fun challenge, is to try and figure out now what Maeve is saying is what's going to change about my conception of his journey, which mm -hmm. is, you know, where, where can he go from here now that he's reached the end of what I thought he was going to reach? Mm -hmm. Well, um, to pull back the curtain even like a little bit more just from my my thought process on it is like I kind of envisioned like your character arcs like happening on your individual characters, obviously. And then that's actually happening simultaneously with like you guys coming together as a team. And then kind of when your character arcs are like done or mostly done, it now becomes uh, an arc of like the three of you together to like carry you through like the end of the campaign, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it then becomes like now your individual arcs are kind of wrapped up and now it's together as a, like a cohesive unit taking on whatever challenges lie ahead. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on it, because um, that feels like a natural way to do like an ensemble story um, where it's like each character has their own little uh, arcs and journeys and developments. And then it's all coming together so that they can cohesively tackle the challenges, you know, yeah, that but makes yeah, sense. But, but we'll see. We'll see how things go. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> so, 
I think I'm going to like knock because I think two of these up here in question in like chapter five can be like just combined together for Nick. Um, you can answer this is from Patron Kitty, both of them. If you can answer this one now, how long has Hannah been dead and how long has this been planned? And also, does Scuttlebutt even know what's going on? <laughs> uh, these are both great questions. Um, listen and find out. And, <laughs> and uh, it's been planned a long time. Um, and uh, I will say Scuttlebutt understands more than he lets on. I, I kind of think that Scuttlebutt is like kind of secretly one of the wisest members of the crew. Hmm. Um, he just can't communicate the same way that others can. But he's always there and he has his like happy go lucky attitude, but he sees a lot and he's way smarter than I think anybody gives him credit for. I love Scuttlebutt. I am happy that <laughs> the friends that Marco's made from the NPCs were the bizarrely Brohane and Scuttlebutt, because that just <laughs> seems like an odd pairing for Marco to become friends with, but also very fitting. Yeah. Um, for sure. I do like that Tanner has gone through the chats and uh, responded to messages he hasn't responded to now. <laughs> Wait, which chats? <laughs> yeah, uh, just a uh, chat that me and Nick have with him where we oh, just share oh. pictures of coffee. Since, since he since he got called out. <laughs> no, that one was uh yeah, that that was just one of Tanner's listen, because of ADHD, sometimes I think that I'm gonna do something and like I'm gonna do this, just give me two seconds and forget about it for three weeks. Sure. <laughs> that, so that one was a hundred percent that one. I was like, I need to uh I'm gonna message Fiona and, and Nick and then I went <laughs> off and did something and just thought that I did that. <laughs> oh no, I've given Tanner a complex about answering my messages now. <laughs> no, it's listen, this is this happens to me a lot. You all are diving now into my own little quirks, but this, no, this happens no, 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 a lot. No, no I, I honestly, when I made that joke, I hadn't even noticed that you didn't respond. Is, is, <laughs> is like, if he's trying to avoid Hannah-ing people, is Hannah non-Tanner anything? Is that a thing? It kind of uh, sounds like Hannah Montana. I mean, it's almost a joke. It like a approaches a joke. I, I think you got to workshop that one. Okay, sort of right. Hannah Montana. Yeah, yeah there's something there. there. There's something okay. there. You gotta, you gotta. It's it sort of like you know. Okay. Sometimes you like get on a road thinking it's gonna intersect another road, but then it doesn't, and you're just sort but of. But then going it turns the into it just goes off a cliff. It turns into a dirt road, and you all yeah, you run off a cliff and die. Yep. That's yeah. Yeah. Then your GPS says you've arrived, and you look around, <laughs> and there's nothing for miles. Yeah. Uh, that's happened to me once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we still got a good amount of questions here yeah uh this is <laughs> sorry <laughs> i enjoyed taskmaster tanner moment yeah there's <laughs> like come on come on i got places to be uh this is a question from our listener tegan thanks for the question tegan and this is for everyone tanner obviously brings academia but what do you all consider to be the most personal part of yourself that comes through in your character Hmm. And I guess, Tanner, you can uh, chime in uh, if you need to add anything or correct uh, Tegan's assumption. <laughs> That's fair. Um, let me think. Let me think on that one a little more as I'll, I'll pass the buck to someone else as I think if there's like anything substantial. Come on, tell us tell us things about your personal selves. <laughs> yeah, this question is wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could skip it if you no, know. no, 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 because I, I it's just I think the answer for me is like. I think Luckbeak very much wants to be liked by everyone. And that's mm. definitely a part of me that, I mean, he's, he's snarky and silly and I break the fourth wall with him a lot too, which is obviously me coming through, but yeah, uh, but I, I think it's, I enjoy it every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's his uh, uh, intense desire to be, uh, to be liked. Oops. <laughs> that, um, um, yeah, that well we all like you saker so. oh good yeah. enough yeah, for yeah. yourself no. <laughs> oh fuck off Tom. <laughs> so I, I actually yeah i thought of something a little more um yeah i think tegan pretty well answered the the question for me um no offense at all that is 100 valid um yeah i mean i do bring in like my professional background to things and you know kind of how marco just kind of like thinks his way through things i try to like apply similar things to to my work i think the other one that i bring that that probably isn't really connected to that is very like quick-mindedness my with the way that i've grown up it's always you have to like kind of like think of things that are like three steps ahead that i'm not going to get into right now so sometimes even thinking and putting pieces together i think is something that's that can sometimes bring into the marco character like um 
the the fact that like he i mean the fact that he got stabbed in the first place is because i mean even in my mind i was like he had this guy has to get to the ship at some point how can he get there and i think that marco would also have those sort of thoughts so i think that's like academia and this like kind of quick mindedness um were probably the two things that come from me other than that marco's kind of different from who i am as a person in a lot of ways so yeah Psychoanalyze yourself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My answers are going to be jokes now. I feel like I have to think about it. But I was going to say that I think Ravnus inherited my red hair. Um, oh, my God. I just, yeah. No, no, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, we're also both leaning sapphic. That was my first gut reaction when I read that <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that like ravenous, it's like, it's very hard for me to like play charismatic characters because I am myself not a super charismatic person. She draws a lot of that on me, granted in a like exaggerated, super weird way. But if I was going to psychoanalyze myself, um, her like wanting to be a part of a group and like not knowing how to be a part of the group is like very much based on personal experience it's it's hashtag relatable is what it is yeah it, <laughs> it is so yeah i think it's just how how awkward my big like strong baby is um <laughs> i love her so much i can't be like i, I imagined her i think like sort of like cool like one-liners and stuff like you know the strong silent type and then that just like went out the window when i realized i wasn't very cool um <laughs> <laughs> Like, Ravenous is, like, who you would be if you had, like, the big, powerful muscles to back it up. Yeah, sure. Ravenous is also not very smart, so I, I had to bring, okay. like, some amount of, uh, she's not, like, super analyzing a situation that yeah. she's never been in, like, particularly well. So she's just kind of going for it. And uh, friends do things like leave gifts and give people compliments and sleep in the same bed, right? So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's how that works. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so anyone else want to pull a question? We can open it up and anything we haven't asked is now fair game, I think. Let's see what we got on the rest of this list here. All right. What are these ship coasty questions? <laughs> They're mostly from Cliff. This is this is the section where Cliff lives. Uh, Cliff is our, our, our new our new patron, Cliff. Yeah, so we have to answer at least one of these for you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, actually, there's there was a few from Cliff. I kind of want to. I think one of those could actually be kind of like fun character revealing. Um, unless anybody else has questions, because I feel like I'm asking a lot. It. No, go for go it. Go for it. Um, question from patron Cliff. Um, what are your character's favorite foods and least favorite foods? Hmm. Ravnus will eat anything. That, that is that is my non-joking answer. Ravnus will eat anything. <laughs> when you grew up with the pirates of Gith, you kind of just eat what's available. Including yeah. other crew, apparently. <laughs> yeah, including the other crew. <laughs> Man, I, I've never thought about this before. Um, so I think like Luckbeak's least favorites are going to be like anything that is like a travely food, like really boring, like, you know, uh, the, the rations. The, yes. The, hard, yes. In Which, the, in the hold of the stoic gondolier. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that um, everyone's fighting over for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's all we had back then. Uh -huh. Um, and I think Come his favorite, his favorite are going to be, um, probably in true form, like, uh, some sort of like, fish uh maybe fish egg you know like whatever that most expensive so maybe some caviar because i think he fancies himself a uh you know a fancy boy uh who likes the finest things in life so i think he would eat uh fancy fish stuff mm -hmm. good and, and you, stuff that doesn't have sugar in it because yes. the, unless he wants to get fucked up and i think that's pretty rare because i think he usually likes to keep his wits about him because he's scared uh -huh. of what happens if he doesn't or what he's going to get himself into so i think yeah the fruit is probably pretty rare for him Mm -hmm. So for Marco, I thought about this because whenever Cliff posed it, I was like, this is this is good in character building because uh, the first thing I thought of was like the least favorite food he had was whenever he was back on Toral at his college and the college would make this 
like pot pie with a side of biscuits and it's like the worst tasting thing he's ever had. <laughs> like if you stuck like a fork in it, you'd pull it out a congealed mass. Like if you threw the biscuit against the wall, it bounced back at you like a rubber ball. Like <laughs> the absolute worst, like, you know, like Marco just went hungry that day whenever it was on the menu. And then um, Coot made this pot pie that was delectable and delicious with all these different flavors to it and suddenly now marco cannot get enough of it so it's now kind of like even more of an attachment to coot for marco he's like yes please make more of this so i can eat more of it oh, that's so, cute yeah that like, cute. the first thing i thought of is just marco getting attached to coot because his cooking is so much better than the college he was at this Aww. ancient turtle with dementia somehow cooks amazing food <laughs> what are we gonna do when he dies this is gonna be really sad I'm uh Nick, can I bring up something that I would like to I would like you to include a food that you would like I would like you to include in the game? Yeah. Uh I'm just looking up D D foods right now. And uh <laughs> in Descent into Avernus, page two forty-five, apparently they have deep fried miniature giant space hamsters, seasoned to perfection with rosemary, oh basil, God. thyme, and tears. Jesus. You stay away from Tashi. <laughs> so yeah. I would very much like to try that in game. <laughs> I love that. I love that that was a re I was unaware of that uh, that reference in Descent yeah. Avernus. There's all kinds of little Spelljammer references through throughout the currently published book. Spelljammer's already been confirmed. You just got to know where to find it. Uh, <laughs> Fair. But um, yeah. Actually, that's a good segue into um, a question from Tegan, which was for you and me, Nick, mm -hmm. which is books and home rules used what are the go-to resources for Spelljammer, be it third-party books, favorite 5e releases, home rules, or house rules? Yeah. Um, I get this question a lot, uh, you know, just being someone who runs Spelljammer um, publicly uh, in 5th edition. And um, the neat part is I don't really <laughs> do any sort of special conversion or yeah. uh really use anyone's uh third party rules or anything that's out there because um the way i look at it Spelljammer is a setting and that setting doesn't really have a whole lot of need for mechanics beyond like ships and stuff i guess but what i found is is that the rules in fifth edition that are there already for like ship movement and ship combat and vehicles in general um already kind of handle that pretty well um and there's the little like i just referenced um little easter eggs and clues to Spelljammer all throughout 5e um including a i mean i guess spoilers for dungeon of the mad mage an adventure that came out like what three years ago um but uh there's there's a spell jam a crash spell jamming ship in that adventure um including a magic item um that is the helm of that ship with rules on how it actually works so using stuff like that as like a base a starting point and referencing it to what's written about how spell jamming helms work in the original ad and d spell jammer books i can kind of feel out how i want it to work for the purposes of my game and our game is so narrative forward that like most of the time those mechanic-y kind of stuffs get hand waved anyway yeah well that's what i was gonna uh, chime yeah. in real quick to say was just that we've really had like one and a half times where that those kinds of rules could have even come up yeah but in and what i'm thinking of is like in chapter two we have like mm -hmm. the real ship to ship combat and then at the end of chapter four, we have the void fair, like firing cannons and stuff. Yeah. So like those could have been handled with like ship to ship combat rules, but we didn't. We like treated it. We treated the ship as being more like a setting element than yeah. like a rules element. That was more like we, we handled it the way you'd handle like, you know, like you're fighting in a room that's like collapsing around you or something like you're not necessarily using like mechanistic rules to determine how it goes it's like stuff happens and then the players have have to react to it right yeah um that's exactly it uh and that that works because like honestly with the pacing of our show um if we wanted to get bogged down in like ship movement mechanics and ship actions and that sort of thing um the episodes would be ungodly long and unlistenable in my opinion <laughs> yeah um so like keeping the point like the 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 action focused on the player characters helps keep it grounded and keep like the action at a pretty snappy pace that reads good for a podcast. And that's not to say that we would ever like 
like we're never going to use like actual like ship combat rules that may come up down the road i'm not ruling it out um it just really hasn't yet and just by the nature of us trying to keep it more narrative focused so Mm-hmm. And uh, and on um, as far as like Spelljammer specific monsters and stuff go, um, I just look at the original, you know, stat blocks from Spelljammer, um, the AD&D stat blocks. And then I basically homebrew a monster the same way you would homebrew anything from scratch, just using that original monster as an ins- piece of inspiration. So if I wanted to have specific abilities, I work out those abilities how I would if I were just building a character, uh, a monster from scratch. I'm not trying to convert. I'm trying to, you know, create with that as an inspiration. And I'm looking at how monsters in fifth edition that were originally from those older editions, AD&D, were converted, you know, officially by Wizards of the Coast. So looking at things like um, uh, using Spelljammer monsters as an example, like uh, the Niagi, because Niagi were from Spelljammer, AD&D second edition, and they also appear in um, Volo's Guide to Monsters. So I can look and see how those, how fifth edition interpreted the Niagi, compare it to the original and kind of try to emulate those same philosophies for converting something, converting quote unquote to fifth edition. Yeah. Um, but it's always because, on like an as needed basis. Yeah. I'm like trying to encapsulate the feel, not yeah. necessarily the, the numbers and like the, beat by beat mechanics yeah and you're also not like sitting down and going through like systematically like converting each like monster or stat block or something it's just like kind of like for each like session you're kind of like figuring out what you want to use and like doing your homebrew kind of on the fly yeah yeah for sure and And also taking it opportunity to reimagine stuff too yeah um the uh, we've talked about this before the asteroid hoppers are a great example in the original Spelljammer AD&D, they couldn't teleport in combat. It was only an out-of-combat ability, and it was basically just to explain how you can fight rats on the moon. How did they get to the moon? (laughs) They teleported there. Um, But that's not super fun, because then you're just fighting rats. You're just on the moon. So we thought, how cool would it be if we gave rats, and by extension, a swarm of rats, a Blink Dog's teleport ability? And now we're cooking. Now things are interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like definitely so adding. We're always thinking of, of stuff like that in mind. Like how do how do we make this cool and interesting and fun um in fifth edition? Yeah. Yeah, I think we beat that question to death. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was pretty comprehensive, but well done. Thanks. I, I'm I'm used to answering it at this point. Uh, <laughs> now we have one on the record. You know, you can point yeah. to it. Yeah. Who wants to grab another question? Everyone mm-hmm. at once. Um well, so uh okay. <laughs> Everyone's no, in no I, was, I was joking. God, <laughs> <laughs> I'll back out for now. Me too. The others. Uh, okay. oh, Fiona, you go. go Fiona. Oh, you have to. Oh God. Um, <laughs> go. <laughs> this question was from Tegan. This is for me and Nick. Question mark. Um, so uh, the question is, uh, what is Rav and Ezrath going to name their firstborn? Um, how I name all of my characters is going to fantasy name generator. And they do in fact have a Gith Yankee uh, name generator. So that's, that's what I would do. And I would click until I found one that I liked. And then I would uh, take it and put some more apostrophes in it. But I was like <laughs> flipping through it earlier and I found one that was just Sarah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it was just S-A-R-A, yes, just Sarah. Fantasy name. <laughs> yeah. Just like whenever I named one of my bartenders in a game, I ran Greg. <laughs> it wasn't wrong, but you don't expect Greg. I do uh, like Azul. Uh, I've been just clicking through. Azul's pretty cool. Zasal, Yenna, yeah. all good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are good. These are all good. Yeah. Just put some apostrophes in there. You've got it. That's all I need around <laughs> You add apostrophes to taste. Yeah. <laughs> you do the same thing with Sarah and become Sarah. Sarah, <laughs> yeah. Sarah, yeah, that's yeah. a wine. Sarah. <laughs> this is assuming that their child would be a Gith Yankee and not a Gith Sarai, because yeah. um, of course they would be. That's a better one. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of the genre of <laughs> fantasy name that is just a normal name, but you spell it weird enough, it takes a while to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Y'all heard of that? Uh, the, what is it? The Tiffany problem or whatever? Yep. Did we talk yeah. about that before? Okay, maybe. I don't we know what we're talking about, it, but I heard of it. Okay, okay. Well, for our listeners, it's just Tiffany was like a medieval name, but you can't use it in any medieval books because people will be like, "There's no way a somebody in medieval times was named Tiffany." That's ridiculous because mm-hmm. it sounds like such a modern yeah. name. Yeah, we we do have a fable called Tiffany, and it's like mm-hmm. 17th century France. <laughs> uh, CGP Gray actually recently did a video about like the origins of the name Tiffany and like actually all of the work that went into like digging up that information. Mm. Yeah. Now that I really, hear it in really this context, it sounds very, yeah, it sounds very fantasy like. Mm-hmm. It's a nickname for Theophania, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which that's a very good fantasy name, Theophania. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, we only have a handful. We got through like most all the questions. Yeah. Um, so if we want to hit on it, some of the goofier ones or if there was anything else anybody wanted to discuss. Um, uh, oh, I did want to answer this question that Max posed. A uh, question from our patron, Max. Thank you, Max. Uh, he, he says, uh, I joked about NPCs being just names on an Excel sheet. How much detail did each of the crew have before this arc? The answer is a lot. Um, I didn't <laughs> add any detail uh, for this arc specifically, um, uh, with the exception of a handful of things like quirks that I added um, specifically to be like little red herring things like uh, like um, Odyssey's love of dinosaur erotica. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those are little little specific details that um, that are were added in. Um, but I actually have a version of the spreadsheet that I gave the players that has more detail on it. Um and let me actually see if I can pull that up real fast and I will go through all of the fields across the whole thing. Um, Void fair crew. Oh, this is so. Um, so I have I was originally keeping track of what episode they were entered in and that was useless and a lot. So I have their their name, their role on the crew, their pronouns, their race um, and what stat blocks I'm using. Their alignment, some role play adjectives to help, you know, keep keep me on track of like what they're like, um, what their what their attitudes are like. And then like a player character sheet, I also have a personality trait and ideal bond flaw for all of them. And uh, for many of them, I also have a fear. Um, And then I have another field for any additional notes I wanted to add. Uh, Not every character has all of these filled out, but most of them do. You had us fill out a fear at the beginning of this, I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We did. It's it's one of those little extra things yeah. that I like to do. Yeah, we told him our character's greatest fear. I have it in the wow. first page of my notebook for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh that's that's all the info I had for all of the NPCs of the Void Fair when we first started. Um some of them have changed a little bit as the characters got developed or if I needed characters that did certain or you know, to fulfill certain um parts of the story, um I would make little tweaks. Uh, especially if it's like stuff that was never revealed. So it's like real easy to just on the back end say that, okay, this, this backstory idea I had for them, I'm actually, so it fits the narrative I want to, you know, tell now, but for the most part, yeah. Uh, all that stuff across the board, um, which I need to review some stuff because, uh, (laughs) a lot of it is some like little interesting backstory stuff that, uh, that never really, never really came up because, being a pirate crew, not everybody likes to talk about their backstories, but they all have backstories. Okay. Um, you've learned a little bit. Like, uh, like you've learned, obviously, like you learned about... Um, Brohain? Uh, Orella's backstory. Well, Brohain, you learned about a lot of a lot of his backstory. Uh, but Orella, when you first met Orella, you learned of her whole thing with Gith um, because of things that have happened in her past and um, other little... You've learned about, like, Doc's backstory a little bit and... Brohain's uh, backstory is one that we did like talk about leading up to like chapter yeah. three. Yeah, that, Brohain, that one. Yeah. That one was not. I mean, I'm sure you had some stuff there, but we like really put a lot on that. Yeah, when we I had chapter three. I had uh, Brohain's backstory fleshed out to the same extent of everyone else on the crew's backstory, which was like a couple bullet points. Um, but obviously, like when we were going to do a chapter where that was going to be heavily featured, Tom and I sat down and we fleshed it all out. Yeah. I am still so curious about fucking Coot after <laughs> that, uh, after the uh, one shot we did with the library bards. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When Coot was like, oh, I'm still like waiting for that to come up. Wait, what was like, the what's ending? going Remind on? Me. It was like, it was like sort of like all a dream or something. But Coot was like this, like this, like Coot was basically like the bad guy. I remember who no, was Coot like was the captain. Of oh, the, the captain in the dream. Yeah. Okay. But, um, but at the end I did like a little like after credit scene of Coot in the back on the void fair on the material plane, take a peek into a trunk yeah in, in the galley and there was like a captain's coat and hat yeah oh. i've been wondering about that since so i yeah. want i want to find out what's going on with coot but like ravnus wouldn't know that so i have a reason yeah. to yeah. i just i'm just hoping when i have him make those cakes that he'll just tell ravnus yeah you just make him make weird <laughs> you make weird cooking requests and like he'll just until he tells his me his backstory. backstory that's what happens in animal crossing new horizons you just keep clicking on mabel until she tells you her tragic backstory so i'm just i'm going <laughs> that her, route with coot yeah yeah, yeah totally. work. so um we got like four questions left here. There's only one that's serious, so I'll just knock it out real quick, and then sure. the rest can be kind of fun. Because it was a question for me from Patron Kitty, and it was, uh, does Marco even know or understand why he was mad? And the answer is more or less yes and no, mainly no. He has no <laughs> idea actually why he was really mad. Because um, I think it actually gets a lot into Marco is that Marco is still trying to understand human interaction and he doesn't, or I guess humanoid interaction, and he doesn't quite comprehend it. So he picks up on subtle cues. I think like something that's lost in the medium of podcast that if you'd have like a visual is that Marco <laughs> is also mimicking you all while you all are interacting with people. Um, Marco is very much always kind of call and response like okay this is what i'm supposed to so even getting mad at luck like luckbeak i mean a marco did almost die and luckbeak was kind of a tangential result of that and i think he was probably a little salty there but the other one is well they got angry at me for similar things so i should be angry about this and very mm. kind of confused about why he was but saying that this is something you're supposed to do would you like this is something that I've actually thought about a little bit before based on the way that you've been like portraying Marco. Um, would you would you say that like intentionally or otherwise like Marco might be on the spectrum? Oh, um, yeah, I wouldn't like I don't want to put like a specific label on it, but I would say most certainly um, mm -hmm. Marco would certainly be on the spectrum. Yeah, I, th I think that that makes sense based on yeah. based on your your actions and the way you've described his thought processes. Have you yeah. have you have you dropped that sort of into the game since the beginning? Is Marco sort of imitating the people around him? Yeah, um, a lot of it's usually like I said, a lot of it gets lost with the medium of the game. It'd be much more pronounced if we had a visual component, right? But a lot of it is seeing how Luckbeak interacts with people, seeing how Ravness, how the crew does. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how you interact. Collecting that information. And then call and response in it, you know, like, okay, I'm supposed to dance on the table now. Mm. I'm supposed to, you know, be happy, be sad about these XYZ things. Because, um, like, to even go back to, I remember, like, part of, like, the conflict usually with, with Marco and Luck, because, like, Hannah was the only one who stepped forward to be Marco's friend. And that's why he's like, this is my only friend. Because while, while he was growing up, he didn't have friends. Part of that is because they didn't want to play with the weird kid. But the other part is Marco never tried. Yeah. So a lot of it now is Marco getting here saying, I should make friends. I should socially interact. I'm not sure really how to do that. And so a lot of it's approaching the concepts of friendship from an academic point of view, which is collect information distill it into something that's understandable you have your results yeah so yeah yeah that's that's makes makes a lot of sense and that's super fascinating an interesting kind of look into what's going on in marco's brain i love hearing about those character moments that have kind of been slotted in since the beginning mm -hmm. that are be that are revealed slowly mm -hmm. yeah yeah but uh yeah i guess like marco's kind of yeah he's an open book you were or like a open book to be written in like you we can probably like if you want like to understand how friendship works like that can be processed relationships romance all of that's kind of needs to be kind of inserted into him whenever it might have been just pre-programmed into somebody i mm -hmm. guess would be kind of the phrase interesting uh yeah so uh last few questions 
uh, we actually are going to get through them all. Wow. Um, yeah, we, we, we trucked on through. Um, all right. Yeah, these last two are from Cliff. Um, first one is, I think these are both for everyone. Okay. Um, firmly in the fun bullshit category. Uh, let's do this one first. So from our patron Cliff uh, to everyone, uh, on Voidfarer Galley Ale and Trivia Night, who are the teams and who usually wins? And I think the answer is Marco usually wins. Yeah. Uh, but who are the teams? <laughs> oh, can we do, can we each, uh, can we do uh, snake draft style and draft our teams? Oh, uh, uh, the three oh. of us. <laughs> oh, I'd be into that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. I got to get the, the character sheets up. All right, here. I'll, yeah. I'll go. I'll go first. And then uh, and then whoever. So the last how, person how big are the teams, though? Uh, the teams are, of course, uh, three people. Uh, three people. No, three, in- not including the captain. So four total plus four yourself. total. Yes. So exactly. we are each our own captain. So I am Marco, like your captain. Team Marco, name. Team Luckbeak, Team Ravenous. Do, do Tom and I get to play, but we get to pick an NPC to start? Oh, yeah. man. That's going to make us go really long. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. let's just let them do okay, their okay, thing okay. here. All right. <laughs> uh, boy, uh, I'm going to pick... Fuck, these are all dummies. Oh, well, I picked Scriv, I guess. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> now I feel bad for going first, but I picked Scriv. Ah, oh, damn. Who's second? I'll, I'll defer to Ravenous. Hold on, I'm trying to find the spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll go because I have it open. Okay. Um, I'm taking Sillin. That's solid. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's the link in the Discord. Yeah, I, I just found it. Um, so I'm God, I'm going to pick how Ravnus would pick, I think, which is just people she likes the most. Um, <laughs> I am okay, so she's going to be mad that she can't pick Luckbeak and Marco. <laughs> so now she's trying to screw them over. So I think she'd pick Merrick first because I think she'd oh, be no. make them mad. That was going to be my last. It's if snake, it's snake style, style, go again. Too, yeah. Wait, what do I do? Uh, so you get to pick again because it, oh. it, it goes across oh, and then it goes back. Oh, shoot. Oh, fuck. Who's going to make... Oh, she's going to make... She, has Tiana been picked? God, no, no, she's gonna, my friend. She's going to make Luckbeak mad twice. <laughs> Damn it. You don't care about winning. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to hurt Luckbeak. Eat pizza and drink Robin beer with my friends. on this day. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, I'm going with Johannes. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh with Doc. Um, okay, interesting. Yeah, I think he's got uh he's got some some knowledge up there. And then the I guy I, that pretended to be a surgeon because he's a con artist. Yeah, I mean I a, a con respect con. I gotta mm-hmm. say so. Um, and then I trivia. <laughs> <laughs> God, you know who I'm gonna pick? I think he's he's feeling the heart of the cards here. Um, his final pick is going to be Coot. Um, because he knows mm. that like something is gonna addle something in Coot's brain when no one else knows the answer. <laughs> Coot is gonna like yell it out in a weird like fugue state. That is a you have a wild team. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> I'm, I'm counting on Scriv to really make up a lot of lost ground here. Um, my last one. I'm taking Scuttlebutt. Interesting. Has anyone taken? Has anyone taken Brohane? Nope. No. No. All right, Brohane. Damn. <laughs> All right. So who yeah. wins? So Definitely who not Ravnus. <laughs> no. I don't think, uh, if we, we could like add up intelligence scores, but that sounds like it would take time. Um, and I think Marco's team would. Yeah, win Marcus. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. However, but all the teams do have like at least someone who is like smart because like Brohane is like pretty smart. Yeah. Um, and then Luckbeak's team. Oh, Luckbeak has script. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what Ravnus I- is it not smart. Ravnus is not, smart. is it not smart, but I was like, yeah. Oh man. No, no insult to Ravnus. <laughs> I was I going sh- by your picks. <laughs> I should have pretended I didn't give a shit about Merrick and picked Odyssey just to appear cool. Like, oh, I have other friends. I have all kinds of friends. <laughs> yeah, Ravnus went straight for psychological warfare. <laughs> yeah, Marco's going to win because violence. Yeah, we we you've mentally battled me to a stalemate and you cannot win. So, Marco wins. <laughs> So yeah, Marco just selected who he thought was the smartest people on the crew. Yeah, uh-huh. and they, I mean, I missed out on Scriv. Like, 
but I got yeah. Scuttlebutt, who I feel like is my dark horse. Mm-hmm. Only because he... I gave you the behind the scenes info. But I think oh, Marco totally. kind of has I think Marco kind of has more of a gauge for what's, you know, for Scuttlebutt than I most, I think. I think like I wouldn't think that like, yeah, Tanner w- has what you just said. I think Marco would still look at that and kind of see a little bit something there. Like this isn't just like shit. Sorry, the cat just knocked over something. Um, Which one? Simba doing oh, being the fool. Simboy. Um, but yeah, I think that Marco would still kind of see Scuttlebutt and be like, I think there's something there. And would probably take him. In truth, I think Marco gets bounced around team to team at the at the like party nights to you know yeah. whoever gets some wins. Yeah, like no fair, you get Marco again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Voidfarer Uncharted. Um, I got the title right this time. It took me all episode. <laughs> you got it to like ingrain it in my brain, and even then, I had to make the conscious effort. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're in the Graceful. Cleveland area, if you're in the Cleveland area, um, October what fourteenth through. That sounds right. Yeah, if you're in the Cleveland area, October 14th to the 17th, come out to Con on the Cob. Um, we'll be there doing events. we got some parties. We're doing Voidfarer Live there. It should be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. I should really write down my, my notes. Huh? Oh, God. <laughs> Why start? Hey, Nick here. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, head on over to Project Derailed's Patreon for an additional 30 minutes of content that didn't make it into this episode. We answer more questions like what would all the player characters be like if they had their own sitcoms and what did Luckbeak and Tiana talk about? You can access it at any of our patron tiers over on patreon.com slash project derailed or on projectderailed.com with your Patreon subscription. Thanks for your support, and as always, thank you for listening. projectderailed.com